he's a vengeful god, and that the best is. way to get revenge is to continue <laughs> to show what idiots they were forever disrespecting him by drafting that idiot Jordan Love. And he will go out there and he will lay his fury upon the land and burn everything. And you know, maybe like this kind of heat wave will come to Green Bay next due to his influence alone. Welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. This week we'll be looking at the NFC North and deciding who will come out on top or on bottom. So hey, we got Connor here, we got Ronan. Hello. And we got Sean. Hello. So guys, is it as horrendously swampy hot down in Cork as it is in Dublin? Because at the moment I am, I think about to, after this recording I'm going to swap onto like my third t-shirt of the day. <laughs> I think it's a little bit better here today in Cork than it has been the past few days. Earlier in the week was unbearable. Yeah, very un-Irish. It's just so humid. The problem with hot weather in Ireland as compared to like other countries which we're used to is just the humidity just really just drains you. Yeah, I'm having so I'm having a nice cool beer now and hoping that hoping we just ride it out. I think the weather's meant to break in a day or two. Are yourself running house tricks? Yeah, it's it's not great to be honest, especially at night. Like you can live with it during the day, but at night you, you wake up the sweat with the sweaty, uh, sweaty arse and sweaty everywhere else. Like so, yeah. it's fine. It's grand. I'm not really a sun person myself, but I can appreciate <laughs> that other people get something out of it. No, of course. Uh, I suppose that's we'll crack on in. We've got a couple of news stories and then we'll get on to our preview of the NFC North. Transaction-wise, we've had a few. San Francisco extended linebacker Fred Warner, five years, 95 million, 40 million guaranteed. He's been a good player for them. This seems to make sense. There's only 40 million guaranteed, so it's not really a five-year deal. It seems like good business for both sides, I would imagine. To be honest, I think, if anything, if Fred Warner keeps playing well, he might regret being on that kind of lower rate later on. Yeah, I, I think this contract has some kind of weird structure that after the first three years or so, they can kind of do a, another option on top of this. But this is kind of the, the contract that exists right now. Effectively, a lot of the, the money for Fred has been front-loaded in terms of the actual real money. So I think he'll probably be happy enough. This resets the linebacker market. It's not a huge jump over Bobby Wagner, who was the current market leader at linebacker. But look, Fred Warner, he's a young linebacker. He's been, uh, I think he's around 24, 25 and he's been one of the best linebackers for the last couple of seasons and at a position which is often overlooked like being an off-ball yeah. linebacker but when you have that guy when you have someone like Luke Keekley or Bobby Wagner who basically kind of pulls the, the, the defense together then I think that is uh, someone that you are very willing to pay and unlike some of the other guys that they paid in San Francisco he's also been consistently on the field no injury issues there so if you're looking at like the best young linebackers in the league it's people like him it's people like Devin White, it's people like Darius Leonard. And I think, you know, all of those guys will now be, you know, wetting their lips looking to kind of go above this contract or around this contract. So I think the biggest joke is Jamal Adams might also be looking at this contract. But <laughs> yeah, like Fred Warner is a great player. He's been great for multiple seasons. He's stayed healthy. There's no reason why he doesn't deserve a contract like this as an ascending fully linchpin of that defense. He's also, he also got one of those classic football names of like, if you had Fred Warner, you'd be like, oh, did he play in the 60s? It's that kind of classic football player name. Uh, Carolina also ex- had an extension, their offensive tackle, Taylor Moten, four years, 72 million with 48 million guaranteed. Again, 
again, nice chunk of change for him. Carolina are kind of swap around era still trying to find their feet. This will protect their superstar signing quarterback from the Jets, I suppose. Like this... he's a decent player. It's a decent yeah. price for a for a, for a starting tackle. Yeah, like he he was on the tag, so this is the only person who at the deadline was given a deal. So there's several other players like uh, Marcus May who didn't get a deal and Chris Godwin. But he got his deal. He's a right tackle. This is a fair enough contract for that position. And given that their rest of their offensive line is a bit dodgy, I think it made sense to keep him in-house and make sure that your offense doesn't disimprove going forward in the years ahead. No, of course. And we had a couple of edge upgrades for some of the other contender teams in the AFC, I suppose. Pittsburgh have signed edge rusher Melvin Ingram to a one-year four million deal. To be honest, I was kind of surprised that Ingram was sat out for this long on the market because I know he visited with the Chiefs and a number of other players, a number of other teams who were interested in taking him on, particularly at that price. It's a good price for him. Rotational pass rusher even. I'd be happy with a, a four million for a year. I think a lot of these guys, like Nelvin Ingram, are going to get a contract soon. I think Justin Houston is still out there, for example, and he was mm-hmm. fine where he did happiness the last couple of seasons. I'd you know, love him to again. come back to the Chiefs, actually, but I don't yeah, think, I I think, think there's bad blood from the end of his contract. So I think it's just a situation where, you know, we're coming into training camps now, guys are assessing their roster, and if there's an obvious weakness, and Pittsburgh basically don't have anyone outside, outside TJ Watt who you can guarantee will be good, why not add some extra veteran competition to the young guys you have and see whether he can kind of reclaim uh, past glories he hasn't really been at the level he was like like two or three years ago but you know you always have that chance he might be able to get back to something approaching that yeah, and uh, Kansas City have re-signed uh, edge rusher Alex Okafor. Been with the team previously, kind of a rotational pass rusher type. I'd imagine this is like one stockpiling some extra bodies at the position, but also with the Frank Clark pending legal issues with the uh, the arrest for possession of, a, of, of an Uzi. This might be just kind of a backup for that, because that kind of brings us to crime and punishment. What are they doing? Probably felonies. Like, I'm relatively certain that Frank Clark thing is a felony. That one's been pushed back, so they said they're not going to do the arraignment until, like, mid-October, which is a bit messy, because it could mean, like, five games into the season that suddenly he's unavailable. But we'll see. Richard Sherman, ex of the Legion of Boom and more recently of the 49ers, has been charged with DOI resisting arrest and domestic violence after trying to break into his father-in-law's home while drunk. He's apologised for it online. The family have said that they're not they're not looking to, 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 to press charges, but he has referenced that this is kind of mental health issues that he's been having. Yeah, and these are all misdemeanors, I think, levelled, so... That will probably have some effect on, on the severity in, t- in terms of the chance of having jail time and stuff like that. But yeah, given that all the people involved are, are mostly kind of trying to, you know, come around Richard, including his wife, who, whose in-laws he, he was uh, trying to break into for whatever reason. I think like the most serious thing is that he was driving under the influence. I think that is something that's obviously yeah. very much, you know, we would prefer didn't happen. Obviously, it makes you concerned that maybe things are happening in his life that are having an effect that, that that is very problematic but despite all of what he did here we hope that he gets the help that he needs and you know maybe even see him on the field of course the nfl may choose to add some discipline of their own uh, in the near future but depending how long this process goes on yeah because he's actually he's currently a free agent and looking for uh looking for work and this is not helping that at all linebacker bakevius mingo was charged with decency with a child which i believe the definition in that state is that that does involve sexual gratification of some kind but I, I, I don't know the full details he was immediately cut by atlanta in like the allegations and obviously mingo's lawyers are denying all charges and sean like i so th- when we look at this look this is 
it's a good quick reaction from Atlanta who just said, look, we don't want to have anything to do with this anymore. Obviously, Mingo's going to deny it. It'll be, it'll be awful if it isn't true, but this seems like a very serious accusation. Very good that they're acting so quickly, and it probably just speaks to the severity of the charges that they've basically done this uh, instantly. This is one of those kind of weird situations that comes across in, in many sports leagues. In fact, this innocent until proven guilty, but also there is the, the kind of the PR aspect of it to, to get away from the situation that teams and, and sports organizations tend to, to move before the, the legal system does, which is probably not ideal, but I mean, you, you would hope it doesn't lead to a kind of assumption of guilt kind of, kind of situation. It's good that the NFL is doing this, or NFL teams are doing this, as opposed to not, I suppose, but there are some questions down the line about how legitimate this is in terms of the rule of law. As a, as a thing and uh, New Orleans defensive lineman uh, David Olimata has been suspended for six games for PED violations he was playing pretty well for them and now they've got absolutely nothing at defensive line until he's back so best of luck New Orleans controversy corner this has been an interesting for some news so the NFL has decided to come out and give its stance on how it's going to deal with COVID outbreaks in the upcoming season obviously we were quite surprised last year at how well they were able to manage it and that the full season got played and everything there was an awful lot of schedule juggling to ensure that happened but the NFL have said now that they will try and reschedule games if COVID outbreaks occur. But in the case that they cannot be rescheduled during the 18-week season, the team who had the outbreak will forfeit the game. It will count as a loss for that team. I believe a victory for the other team in terms of looking for spots in the playoffs. This has had some positive reactions from some sides but also some quite high profile negative reactions with the likes of DeAndre Hopkins from from Arizona saying that he would be questioning his future in the NFL in a then afterwards deleted tweet Matt Judon and Leonard Fournette doing similar things talking about well this is coercion or this is forcing vaccines on people and I think as someone quite rightly pointed out on on Twitter they said the NFL have an awful lot of legal teams and advisors so they are in no way doing that they are just heavily influencing you to do the thing and nothing could ever be classified as coercion technically like this seems like a smart response to it and then puts the onus on teams to for them to kind of have to take ownership if they're not keeping their protocols up to date and keeping their players vaccinated from what i version i saw of it was that if that if it's caused by an unvaccinated player there's a forfeit but nothing is said otherwise am i, am I wrong about that or is it a more general if the game is cancelled The team that has the outbreak, because it would be them that are causing the cancellation, and they will try and reschedule, it's not an automatic thing, but it's just if they happen to not be able, so if it happens in week 17 and they can't get a replacement game because they're already playing in week 18, they would be forfeiting that game in week 17. You know, in terms of the reaction, obviously, like there is a kind of a mixture here of two points, which is the players obviously feel that the NFLPA hasn't done a good enough job of protecting their interests in terms of both their unvaccinated status, but also that if a game is cancelled, I believe all the game checks will also be cancelled. They won't get paid, basically, for that week's work. Some players have an issue specifically with that. Other players, obviously, like Leonard Fournette, have explicitly come out and said that they're against the vaccination. DeAndre Hopkins is probably the same. I think Matt Judon, possibly, but he, he said the NFLPA sucks, so that could be either way. It could, it could be a we, number of things, to be honest. It doesn't necessarily have to yeah. be about this. And of course, we, we like like we haven't talked about it previously, but there has been an ongoing, you know, stories of certain players being asked if they're va- going to get vaccinated or not, and going kind of giving uh, somewhat uh, questionable or, or or vague answers. Well, that's what we know. Be, be, be beating around the bush. It's Cole Beasley, isn't it? 
Well, Cole Beasley is, is actually out and out anti-vax, kind of giving his scientific opinion, in inverted commas, of why it's not that big a deal. Mark Cuban, his, I think it was, offered him, because he was complaining about not mm. getting profit sharing from Pfizer if he took their vaccine. And Mark Cuban said, I'll give your sister one share in Pfizer and let her have the dividends if you want, if you'll just get yourself vaccinated. Josh Allen, the quarterback in Buffalo, I think has been one of those people giving vague answers. I think Sam Darnold has, and I think... You know, there are certain teams which have very low vaccination rates, including, I think, the uh, Cardinals. Look, like this is a situation that we don't really know what's happening now. But when training camp opens, suddenly all of the additional requirements for unvaccinated players are going to be very hard to hide at that point. Yeah, and well, they have, they have probably... specific like they have specific testing mask requirements and a couple of other things that are separate from vaccinated players. So there won't exactly. be any ability to pretend that you're vaccinated or not answer the question. Exactly. So that's when this will probably heat up even further. So I think this is this has definitely been simmering over the entire summer, almost as much as we're simmering with this, uh, you know, this heat in Ireland <laughs> at the moment, and that's what's around the world. Yeah, I think once we get in and people can't hide anymore, that's when this thing could get very explosive, and these players might come out in even stronger terms as the NFL and and probably the the teams choose to have to make some differences to adjust to the reality of having some vaccinated and some unvaccinated in their teams. Yeah, and we'll be tracking this obviously as it goes. Yeah, I'd imagine I, there'll be more developments. I can see this ending in litigation. I can see, especially if the rules enforced and say a team misses out the playoffs or something, I can definitely see this ending up in court. Yeah, this is going to be messy. This is going to, all over the entire season, this is going to, this is going to be a shadow over it, especially if it ends up being enforced in, in a major situation. Given the extended playoffs as well that we have as of last year, it means that there will be teams that, you know, knocking around that 500 stuff that might be looking at that seventh place so there's more teams that might impact i do think the nfl showed that they were able to juggle schedules pretty well last year and you'd hope that you'd have less this year than or less risk of it this year than last year just to give the other side i think it's important to say i think that uh, nearly 80 percent of players are vaccinated according to the statistics that are available multiple teams have reached the 85 percent of the team threshold where they won't have they'll have additional freedoms to basically um, not have as many restrictions on their camp. So despite, obviously, the controversy we talked about here, the vast majority of players are getting the vaccination. Overall, the, the trend has been very positive. We've also had our first injuries that are going to impact the upcoming season because training camps are starting back and there's, there's a few bits and pieces like that. LA Rams running back Cam Akers, who was scheduled to be their kind of number one bell cow type, has torn his Achilles and he's gone for the season. It's a huge hit to the Rams, who were definitely going to be looking to use a kind of use him quite a lot that is kind of what their what their offensive game plan has been for a while and also New Orleans wide receiver Michael Thomas has just had ankle surgery so that is between one and three months for recovery depending on how severe it is and how quickly he recovers but that is a huge impact to them particularly that they're already a little bit stuck at the quarterback position the defensive position and the a number of pretty much actually a lot of their roster is a is a bit of a Bit, bit thin and this is just making it thinner so two bad ones but i suppose the, the grim silver lining is i suppose at least you know before you draft them first overall <laughs> like cam Akers, he looked very explosive last year he's got the kind of physical build that he could have been a bell cow for the rams i think that was their plan but now they'll have to rely on guys who are good and who in terms of statistics are fine like daryl henderson he had comparable mm-hmm. statistics but just in terms of his running style he doesn't look like someone that you want to give 20 carries a game to. So they'll probably have to 
you know, committee. go to some kind of committee meeting. Committee, yeah. There's also then, there's 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 a bunch of kind of like older running backs sitting out there on the market, and I presume that they're just going to bring in one or two of them. Like they'll probably bring one of those in during camp. Probably yeah. not bring them in early. See what you got with the the young guys that you got, and give them a chance. But uh, and Michael Thomas, I think it's been confirmed that this is basically. The issue that he had all last season, that kind of uh, with his ankle, where he was obviously playing yeah. hurt, he tried to just let it heal over the off season. It didn't work, and now he's had to have the surgery at this point. Given how thin their wide receiver position is, which we'll talk about next week, that is a very severe hit for the likely efficiency of that offense. Yeah, no. So two big hits early going in. I suppose on that we'll move on and we'll start into our NFC North preview. <laughs> Okay, so first up, it is the Bears. They've added in Justin Fields and, oh, Andy Dalton. What a quarterback room. They've also brought in Tevin Jenkins, Elijah Wilkinson, Damian Williams, Demir Bird, uh, Jeremy Adewochu, Desmond Trufant, and Angelo Blackson. They lost Mitch Trubisky, unfortunately. They have also gotten rid of Charles Leno, Bobby Massey, Cordero Patterson, Rashad Coward, uh, Kyle Fuller, Day Robertson Howard, Brent Urban, Barkevius Mingo, and Jeff Heath. So this is an interesting one. This is a team that I think everyone believes going into this season this might be the last chance for the coaching staff, Nagy, and that to keep his job. He didn't select Trubisky, but he is his fate's essentially intertwined with Trubisky not being as good as a number of quarterbacks drafted after him in the same round. The problem is like, like stepping... who, Connor. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know who you're talking about. Um, uh, but uh, so I, I was immediately trying to think of. I think there is like a third round quarterback who's a backup on another team and is still with that starting team. But um, <laughs> The problem is they're stepping into this season with essentially a mini silly quarterback controversy to already start because they have come out and very publicly said that Andy Dalton's going to be the starter. He was signed on the basis of letting him be the starter, even though Justin Fields is there. There is an element, though, if I remember correctly, that the starting half of their season is a bit brutal and that it might just be a get Justin Fields a little bit up to up, trained up essentially throw Andy Dalton to the first six or seven weeks yeah, dogs I think and the big the big one is prime time Rams week one Aaron Donald that is that is not that's not what you want your opening game to be in the NFL let's be honest so like I don't see I don't see the Andy Dalton stuff I think it is just a you know don't throw Justin Fields to don't don't David Carr him essentially yeah it's an interesting they've had some turnover like they've lost a couple of pieces on defense like like Kyle Fuller was a very good player for them and I was quite surprised when he was gone but they have added in some new pieces they've got a tattoo and stuff like that coming in they have talent on that defense they've still got Khalil Mack heading up that defense they've got good linebackers they've got good defensive backs but. Is this a team, one, that the defense is good enough to keep them in games? Because it did keep them in games last year, surprisingly. But with it being Andy Dalton under center, slash them moving to a rookie mid-season. And the rookie, look, it's a wild card. We'll, we'll disregard that part. First half of the season, first eight games when Andy Dalton is playing there. Do we see that as being a winning combination? No, I, it's a mediocre team. I mean, obviously what they wanted to do originally was bring someone like Russell Wilson. So... Compare the situation they have to what they could have had if they been a little bit better in the offseason. This is going to be very disappointing, I think. I mean, first thing that the Dalton Bill thing does have the air of that kind of the Pat Scooby problem, where they're just two entirely different quarterbacks, so you have to build two entire different systems yeah. to accommodate them, especially if you're playing to transition from one to the other at some point. The defense last year was, was top 10, but with only just about it. They were like the 10th best defense in the league. They were good. They, were, they had their moments. They certainly looked at times... Like they could stifle team, they had a very good game uh, against the Bucks uh, early in the season. 
but they really needed additions, I think, to kind of take the next step up. They were, we're almost there, but if we add a couple of, of real superstars to defense, then we become, become scary. So they're going to be pretty much the same, I think. Their additions don't really, aren't very exciting on the defensive side. So you're left then relying on an offense, which I think is going to end up an, an awful lot like it was last year in terms of the Trubisky and Foles were just very mediocre. And we know that Dalton, is, is, his common criticism is that he falls to the... He rises or falls to the level of the talent uh, around him or the coaching that he's got. And the Bears have shown nothing in the last few years to, to demonstrate that they can raise Andy Dalton to any particular high level. We can look at the records we've given them later on. I'm actually the most optimistic about where they might finish up. But this is a very mediocre team. And especially if they get off to a slow start with a couple of tough games at the start, then the wheels could fall off the wagon uh, very quickly. But I can see nothing here that gives me a reason to believe the Bears should be better than last year. And they were just very mediocre in the end last year. So this is the thing. A lot of a lot of the criticism in this always gets directed towards Matt Nagy. Things like they've got a good running back in David Montgomery, but he just refuses to ever run like power sets or run, you know, ISOs or just like run down the gut. He always just wants to kind of flip around, hold the ball for three seconds and then try and like kind of get little kind of wheel rights out of the back and stuff. They do have a, an incredibly good receiver in Alan Robinson who's there as well. Like there are pieces to like on this team, but I do look at it and kind of go... <sighs> We couldn't fully blame Nagy Nagy beforehand because of who was a quarterback for them. And you just kind of went, well, look, with Trubisky, it doesn't matter if it's Bill Belichick there. I don't think they're going to get a huge amount out of him. Whereas now I think this will be more exposing to the flaws of Nagy. And it it gives him the opportunity to, he could maybe scheme something up and it would work really well. Or he's building it entirely for a great back half run with Justin Fields to, 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 to look good. But like, He's fighting for his job, Ronan, right? Like, what does he need to achieve for him? And, like, I think, to be honest, it should be Ryan Pace because Ryan Pace actually did select Trubisky. You know, I, I think that the, if they're going to get rid of the head coach, they're probably, or the GM, they might just do a full clean out and restart. Like, what, what, what do they need to achieve this year to, to, to avoid that? But they probably need to be at least around that 500 mark, at least getting progress, and they need to see the rookie quarterback show progress like like this isn't kansas city matt nagy you aren't andy reed you haven't gone to the playoffs multiple times at alex smith you had one good season when you came in and since then it's been a let's basically just say a trash fire like an incredibly mediocre team and by choosing to say that andy dalton is your starter hopefully that was just a pre-training camp hype up thing and during training camp they'll be saying justin fields he looks great and then they'll change their mind but if they choose to play andy dalton for any extended period of time they are basically self-broncoing they are choosing to reduce the ceiling of their team and make themselves one of the less least interesting teams in the nfc like when they had Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky last year, and by the way, Nick Foles is still there for some reason. The problem was that when they played Mitchell Trubisky, they could run the ball, but they couldn't pass. And when they had Nick Foles, they could pass the ball, but they couldn't run. So they basically had the like basically a situation where they had no capacity to make explosive plays because the defense could key in on the thing that they were able to do with the given quarterback. That so they why had. didn't they just start running two QB sets? This is odd. <laughs> It's so obvious. <laughs> yeah, well, like basically, Mitchell Trubisky, you're basically playing Wildcat. That, that's just yeah, that is just Wildcat. Is. Yeah, uh, and Nick Foles, like, look, like Nick Foles wasn't terrible, but the offensive line wasn't really good enough to protect him, and the running game, you saw the drop in efficiency for Montgomery 
compared to having Mitchell Trubisky when you have the option, uh, the option plays available to you when you have the zone read available to you. It was just completely night and day. And of course, Montgomery, he was helped by having some weaker teams throughout the stretch anyway. So yeah. I think when you look at Justin Fields and the specific skill set that he has, he's obviously a great threat with his legs. He's one of the most athletic quarterbacks that came out of this year's draft. But he's also shown that he can be an effective passer, particularly in a zone, in a zone read option and play action oriented offense, which Matt Nagy should be more than capable of doing after having trying to make Mitchell Trubisky do that, like become that type of quarterback for so many years. So for me, it just doesn't make any sense to not have Justin Fields in. And if they get Justin Fields in there, then that gives them a chance. Like if they had like a mediocre-ish season and Justin Fields showed progress, if he looked exciting, if the offense showed something, then I think because of the defense is pretty good, that would give them a shot of winning some games. But it would also perhaps save both of their jobs, uh, Nagy's and Pace's. But like the fact that they are saying that they're going to self-harm basically by playing Andy Dalton is just a huge red flag for me. Because, you know, like the rest of the team... Yeah, it's a thin in places. Like the wide receiver group, you probably want someone beyond Allen Robinson, but he's a great player to build around. The offensive line is like, okay. It's not the worst. It's not the best. Tevin Jenkins is someone I think people were very excited about in the draft as kind of a road grader, tough guy type offensive lineman. Mm. And the defense has enough talent uh, at all levels that it should at least be once again, like a, you know, at least a top 15, top 10 type defense. So if they make the right choice here, I think they can save their job by having a, what otherwise would look like a mediocre season, but that choice has to be starting Justin Fields as soon as possible yeah. and making him look like a success as soon as possible. Yeah, so like I've done my grade, my, my, my projections here based on the idea that I expect that they're going to have Andy Dalton in for at least six or seven games. I think Justin Fields could come in and go about maybe just 500 or sub 500 in his back set of the games. So I have them winning five games, going five and 12, and that's good for 13th in the NFC. Yeah, I, I'm not going four and 13. I think that's, I feel like it's a bit of an underestimate, but it's 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 a vote of lack of confidence in the brain trust of this team. I just feel yeah. this is a team, two desperate people in, in charge of the wagon too often goes very bad. Sean, you're a bit more positive on them, aren't they? Yeah, I have them eight and nine, which is good enough for number eight, which would have them just missing out on the playoffs. Based on two things, one, I kind of used based on the idea that Fields would be in earlier. Obviously, I had a bit of a look at him because the Pats were thinking of drafting him or a rumor or two, and I, I like the look of him. I think he could be an explosive QB, so if they play him, there's certainly a chance they could get close to 500. The other thing is, I mean, I think this division is quite weak this year, especially if Aaron Rodgers sits out or is disgruntled, then it's it's a very open division. There should be lots of wins on the table, especially the Lions are probably going to be smashed by a number of teams in this division. Mm. So I think the Bears, there's a chance that if things go together, they could maybe get right to the bottom of, of the playoff uh, edge, but everything has to go in, in their way in order for that to happen. No, of course, and Harry's gone four and thirteen as well. Uh, also, just as an aside, before we move on, Bears fans, like write to your GMs, ask why Alan Robinson. You decide to not extend him. You're just going to hope that it's all going to be okay. Like of all the players you've got there, maybe that's one you should look at holding on to. Okay, on to the Lions. Jeez, we might make this one a bit quicker. This is one of the most universally low expectations teams that we've got on these previews. Okay, big change. New quarterback, Jared Goff, it's a downgrade. New head coach, Dan Campbell. Uh, Anthony Lynn on his offensive coordinator. Aaron Glenn in his defense coordinator. They added Penny Sewell, uh, Jamal Williams, Terrell Williams. Rashad Perryman, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Uh, on the defensive side, Alex Anzalone, uh, Levi 
by Wuzurike. Michael Brockers, Charles Harris, Quentin Dunbar and Alan McNeil all in. They lost Matt Stafford in the trade. They also lost Kenny Galday, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, Kerryon Johnson, Jamal Agnew, Jesse James, not the Team Rocket guys, tight end, Jared Davis, Justin Coleman, Daryl Roberts, Jerron Harmon, Danny Skelton, Desmond Trufant, Emerson Griffin. Yeah, this is not good at all. This is a very poor roster. They've got a nice offensive tackle there in Penny Suell, I suppose. They downgraded on quarterback, bringing in Jared Goff instead of Matt Stafford. And I'm not a big Matt Stafford believer, but yeah, Jared Goff is significantly worse. They've got a good offensive line. That's about what I can think of. And they've got a, a real lunch pail, angry ankle biter as a head coach who says <laughs> he's not going to take no shit, but also doesn't really have a plan of how he's not going to take any shit. I was going to put it out there from the get-go. I have them winning three games, and I'm not sure if I'm being overly positive on that. I think this is a car crash of a team. I think last week we talked about, you know, you were saying, oh, they're giving Nick Sirianni, the Philadelphia coach, like a, a free pass. This is a free pass. This mm. is saying, okay, go out and see what you can do, Dan Campbell, but we're not really expecting anything. You should be able to run the ball with that offensive line, but otherwise, this is whatever. This is a lost year, and for Lions fans, that's a familiar concept, unfortunately. So when you look at this team, like Dan Campbell, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure on the whole ankle-biter, tough-guy attitude. It's just something where... You're dealing with professionals here. Like you, you're gonna have a locker room of guys who are getting millions of dollars to play this game at a professional level. Maybe that shit would work at like college level, but I don't know if you have the, the respect to do that. Like, you know, Pete Carroll is probably one of the few coaches who's managed to make that rah-rah type of coaching work, but overall it has doesn't generally have the best track record. I think his saving grace is that his coordinators, I think both of them are pretty good. I think Anthony Lynn once removed from the decision making and the clock management is actually a pretty I quite, good. I, I quite like him in a coordinator role. Yeah, yeah. I think he has he created a good offense last year for the Chargers. His offenses, while he, he's somewhat conservative in his decision making in terms of the overlying the run for this team, that makes perfect sense given the quarterback that you have in Jared Goff, who's only really looked good when play action was available to him. And Aaron Glenn, I think he was fairly highly rated coming from the Saints where he's done a really good job as their defensive backs coach, where they've had a lot of success over the last five years or so, turning around the defense that until he was there was was pretty mediocre. Jared Goff, I don't rate him. You don't rate him. Nobody rates him. Yeah, so unless they can get the run game going and they can really get that thousand yard uh, running back that they always seem to not have, and DeAndre Smith turns out to be like a, like a, a make the, making the leap player in year two, I don't really see Jared Goff being able to survive yeah. this poison chalice. And yeah, outside the offensive line, on the offense there's so so few talents this is what i was gonna ask sean i was gonna say sean like what what who's your favorite wide receiver on this core <laughs> is it brashad perryman is it the very if i remember correctly very small amon saint ra is it terrell williams this seems like this seems like tj hawkinson is probably the best one there i guess i was about to say tj hawkinson is probably the best receiver they have and he's the tight end i think the kind of consensus of this is just there's no talent there's just no talent on this team whatsoever, and the wide receiver position is a good representation of that. They lost Kenny Galladay, who's by some distance the best wide receiver they had, and they also lost Marvin Jones and Amendola. And it's just, there's nothing here, and especially now that they have a quarterback who's not very good, it's just hard to see them getting any yards at all. Okay, they're two offensive 
tackle. Like, it's not even an offensive line that's particularly good. They've got a, a rookie that looks talented, but is obviously unproven. Their other tackle, Taylor Decker, is obviously quite good. But, I mean, apart from that, it's, there's nothing to need to write home about. They're a middle-of-the-pack offensive line, but we're kind of focusing on that because they're so little. Because it is the only bright spot. Team <laughs> to look at. The worst defense in the league last year, they haven't really improved it at all. Uh, yeah, this team, honestly, if things start to spiral, this team could go 0-17. I just struggle to see how they're going to get any points whatsoever off this team unless they suddenly turn up to have an amazing run game uh, out of nowhere. It would, Jared Goff discovers that he's capable. It would be an incredible achievement for them because they were the first ones to go 0-16, right? If they were then also the first ones to go 0-17. <laughs> don't, don't put that on the poor Lions fans. Like, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. They will go 0-17 and then they will draft an incredible wide receiver and completely waste his career. Oh, come on, Connor. <laughs> like, they, just, they, they just had to go through like a period of, of extra painful coaching in Matt Patricia. Like I don't, they don't need that again. Like they don't need to suffer that bad. Like, like if they can, if they can just like, like the defense, look, it's, it's very, very confusing because they made a lot of changes, but there's a lot of hold offs from the Patricia era, but like the defense overall seems happy because they're no longer under Matt Patricia's thumb. So maybe they can go from being the worst defense to, not, not the, the worst, worst defense. Yeah. And like, there's enough talented players there that they shouldn't be the worst defense. So, look, look their offense is going to be pretty desperate to watch, but maybe they can win enough games with decent defense and a decent run game. It's pretty grim, but it's a free go. It's a full rebuild. And unlike, say, in Houston, I think Dan Campbell will get more than one year to see yeah. if he's got the and look, look, this is, this, this is the thing I'm saying. Like, for Lions fans out there, look, we're giving you shit, but your team is shit, right? But I do like... I'm not... Look, Dan Campbell, we don't know him from... Jack, so like maybe he will work out. I do like Anthony Lynn. I like some of the bits they brought in. You've got a potential franchise tackle there in Penny Sewell. You've got some good pieces on the offensive line. Like just take the take the losses, kind of siphon the roster, pick up high next year, get your quarterback, and then take a run at it. Like I don't think you being shit this year doesn't mean that you're going to be shit later on. If it was still Matt Patricia, I would be saying like, yeah, I know you're shit for the next two or three years until you get rid of him. You've got a chance. We're, we're, we're kind of ragging on them because they are going to be terrible this year. But I also think that they are trying to build something in the future. Like having having a franchise tackle is a great thing to then have to then drop a rookie quarterback behind next year, particularly if that line then has a year to gel and kind of get used to playing and protecting and stuff like that. And they'll fucking have to because they're going to be throwing because they're going to be behind. But like, as you say, you know, we want to believe like things are darkest before the dawn, but uh, it's been nighttime in in Detroit for <laughs> what feels like a long, long time. Like uh, Game of Thrones level nights going on there. Someone made a deal with some kind of magician back in the day that they want to be as the Lions would be as powerful and as vibrant as the U.S. motor industry. And, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, we've all across the board gone for 3-14, and 14, apart from Harry, who's a little bit more positive and thinks they'll win five games. That's, uh, that's nice. Next up, we'll have a look at the next up. We'll have a look at the Packers. They bring in defense coordinator Joe Barry, uh, Eric Stokes, Devondre Campbell, to Daryl Slayton on the offensive side. They got uh, Josh Myers, Royce Newsom, and Cole Van Lane all on the offensive line. And they also brought in Amari Rogers at wide receiver, Blake Bortles at quarterback. Oh, to really push, uh, to, to really push Rogers and Killen Hall at running back. They lost Corey Lindsley, uh, Ricky Wagner, Lane Taylor, Jamal Williams, Tim Boyle, Tyler. Elvin, Christian Kirksey, Montrevious Adams, Damon Harrison, and Tremont Williams. Um, Let, let's be honest, Connor. None of those ins and outs matters. There's only one, well, two men, uh, Mr. <laughs> Rogers and Mr. Adams, uh, who I believe, literally as we're recording this, I believe Ian Rappaport is, is spilling the beans that 
both of them are unhappy and are not talking to the team right now about any yep. extensions. Rappaport just put out there a couple of days back that it's not just a money thing. Aaron Rodgers was offered an extension to take him with the team for five years and make him the highest paid quarterback in the league and he said no. So uh, this might actually be a big thing. Aaron Rodgers is unhappy. Uh, he wants to go and host Jeopardy and he thinks that the football is holding him back. So he is considering leaving Green Bay. <laughs> and yeah, it's just... It's, it's, it's a huge question mark because this Aaron Rodgers played out of his skin last year and yeah the, the relationship's just broken down to the point where he's not speaking with management his top weapon Devontae Adams is not speaking with management they are so far claiming that they're not going to turn up or at least have not said that they will turn up there's a genuine chance that Aaron Rodgers might hold out that changes this team entirely Everything about everything else. Like everything else is, you know, some in, some outs. They've got some good weapons. They've changed up the offensive line, all that kind of stuff. Irrelevant. Unless Jordan Love is actually incredible. Which, it's the backers, so... Could be. It could happen. And, he, he, you know, the reports from camp are, you know, universally a positive. But, of course, it is important to note that with the new uh, CBA rules, that if Rodgers does hold out, the team has to fine him and they cannot give that money back. So... It'll be interesting to see what happens literally a week from now. If he doesn't show up, we'll probably be talking about that in the news. But but uh, we won't really know <laughs> any further at that point whether he'll genuinely hold out for the actual season. I think the thing is, like, even if Aaron Rodgers is unhappy, he was unhappy last year. And unhappy Aaron Rodgers played real fucking good last year. Yeah. Devontae Adams presumably was a bit unhappy with the way Aaron Rodgers being treated and maybe his own wages. Didn't stop him being one of the best wide receivers in the league. So, like, we'll get into our predictions later. But I'm saying, look, if Aaron Rodgers plays, and I think that's more likely than not because they can't trade him at this point, I don't really mind. He's a vengeful god. And the best way to get revenge is to continue (laughs) to show what idiots they were forever disrespecting him by drafting that idiot Jordan Love. And he will go out there and he will lay his fury upon the land and burn everything. And, you know, maybe like this kind of heat wave will come to Green Bay next due to his influence alone. I'm of the position that he will have to play and he won't hold out. And if he does, it's going to be the same team. And then you can talk about maybe the the defense will be different under their new defensive coordinator. But uh, overall, it's basically the same team with its successes and its problems that has you know gone far into the playoffs the last two years but seemingly fallen at the at the, at the hurdle to teams that were maybe a little bit more balanced overall than, than they have yeah yeah like it's it, it certainly break multiple ways for them like i i i'm of the opinion that he will play i do wonder if Devonte adams is annoyed about this or is he annoyed that um Derek well, carr has tried to recruit him to the raiders it's probably a little bit of, of everything. Uh, the wages, the, the, the maybe want to go somewhere nicer that's nice and warm. And in their Roger situation, he's just like, fuck this for you know, a bag of potatoes, yeah. basically. But look, Sean, Sean, what's your, where do you think the Aaron Rodgers thing is going to go? I mean, yeah, I, I can certainly understand the vengeful God idea. He does have a streak in him with a giant bucky and really got him going last season. But this is going to be the second season. I mean, how it's not a thing. It's, I think that's easy to maintain, especially over multiple seasons. I mean, he could just go from the fuck you to just fuck it. You know, I just don't care anymore. Especially if they lose. I mean, if he play, okay, first thing, if he plays, and he, I, I think there's a good chance he won't play. If he plays and say they don't start very well, they maybe 
lose a few games early in the season, him and Adams could be like, this just isn't worth it anymore. Just kind of lose the motivation. And then you got the problem of the toxic dressing room, uh, which can destroy even the most talented teams out there. So this is really on a knife edge because, as you said, Rodgers' mood seems to decide how well this team plays. They were so good last year, largely because he, he pushed them forward and, and made them all play at their very best. But we've also seen situations where this team... I mean, Rodgers, he's had 10 years of... of cycles of we are a great team to what the fuck is this bullshit to I can't believe you're making me do this all on my own to oh now we're a great team again and I think it's just going to grind everyone down it, it has the potential I think to be a season in which everybody snipes at each other no one gets along and the team on the field doesn't perform and they kind of putter along for a while and they probably win the division because as I said the division is terrible but probably don't make any more of it than that I mean I don't think the idea that because he played so well last season means he's automatically going to play well this season just because he continues to hate the people that he works for I think at a certain point that kind of vengeance burns itself out okay I'm like just briefly Joe Barry the new defensive coordinator obviously I, I wasn't very high in him he comes from I think he was like in charge of the Detroit defense when they were one of the worst, but we'll see if he can improve a defense which flattered to deceive previously. They brought in some rookies to help him out, but uh, overall, uh, you know, is this defense going to be the difference maker this year? Probably not. So, no. yeah, it's probably the Roger situation. But just to say, new defensive corner, maybe things will be different. Probably not, though. I'm expecting that Rodgers will play, and I'm having them win 12 games and getting to the divisional round, but getting knocked out the air. I have them going 14-3, and three, number one seed, Super Bowl loser, obviously Boeing, all in on either Aaron Rodgers turns into the most angry quarterback god of all time, or the Packers somehow look have looked into yet another, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback, because that's just what they do. Mm. And then Rodgers will then go and to I've... who we'll be discussing after this, <laughs> just to continue the cycle. <laughs> and I split the difference. Basically, this is a ploy by me to try and get as close as possible to the final result by whether he plays or sits or not. I've got a 9-8, and eight, which, because this division is awful, is enough for the number four seed as division winner and going after in the wild card. But, I mean, I think even if he plays, they're probably not going to do much better than 9-8. But if he doesn't play, then we easily get down to what Harry has, which is 6-11, and 11, which would have him as number 12. Uh, oh, and, Har- and Harry, Harry has put a note here in brackets to say he's assuming Roger sits because he votes for chaos, which is a fair, 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 fair assessment. So yes, yeah, so we got a nice kind of variety there of kind of what would happen. To be yeah. fair, I think no matter what happens, it's going to be a chaotic season in Green Bay. Oh yeah, to be honest, it's going to be a chaotic season for this entire division. I think. Finally, we're on to the Vikings. They added Christian Darrisaw, Wyatt Davis, Mason Cole. Kellen Mond, Dalvin Tomlinson, Sheldon Richardson, Stephen Weatherly, Nick Vigil, Patrick Jones is second, Patrick Peterson, Brashad, Breland, Xavier Woods, Alexander McKenzie, and Parry Nicholson. So they basically just, they've just got an entirely new defense. They lost Mike Hughes, Anthony Harris, Eric Wilson, Todd Davis from there. On the offensive side, Riley Reef, Kyle Rudolph, Mike Boone, Rashad Hill, Brett Jones, F.A. Odavingo, Shamar Stephen, and Jaleel Johnson all gone from the defense. Look, this is a team that we've we've spoken about enough times. None of us truly trust them. I think they're good enough to be mid-table most of the time. Can't beat winning teams. The Kirk Cousins is just a 
he's the perfect example of will get you so far but will not actually elevate your guys all that much and then will just rack up big numbers in in garbage time so he looks good on the stat sheets at the end of it this is a team that's probably going to again lean heavily on Dalvin Cook he had an incredible season last year you can see the beforehand we're looking at a chap who might be able to push at there's a lot of talk because we've got an extra game this season that might be able to push at some of the running back records that are out there for you know total yardage and things like that given that they'll have an extra game to do it in and particularly because like I said I don't massively rate Cousins all that much and I think Cook is an excellent player. Cousins again is what I view as being the the, the, the the kind of the cap on what they can and can't do. And then obviously just the the, the recurring question of Zimmer's here can get this defense that like I said I wasn't joking like that is what at least five or six new starters if not more sitting on there that like can he get that defense back to you know the form they were in three or four years ago because they haven't been performing as well as they possibly should. They're just kind of like, they're constantly just a good, like, B-minus student at most things. Yeah, but I, I'm just so sick of the Vikings, honestly, at this point. I'm just <laughs> sick of this mediocrity. Um, nothing ever changes. I, I would hate to be a Vikings fan because nothing ever changes. This team is just, every year it, it's like, oh, there's maybe a couple of upsides from their offseason, but oh no, they're just going to, sink into the the mire of mediocrity. Cousins is if he was ever good, he's certainly not good anymore. I mean Dalvin Cook is a, is a is an obvious talent, but the more they start to lean on him, and you could see this last season they were leaning on him more and more to just create the entire offense. I mean it makes them very one dimensional. They don't have the passing game or the play action game to exploit that so much. So I I just I mean Justin Jefferson okay. I mean the the wide receiver core is there's definitely some talent there, but I mean I just I'm just sick of them. I put them down quite low in my final rankings because I'm just, I just can't care enough about this team to rank them any higher. Yeah. Um, their defense was terrible last year. There's they got some na- good big names brought in, so maybe they'll be slightly better. But they are reliant on this offense firing quite heavily, and if they lead too much on Dalvin Cook, teams will have them figured out by week seven or eight, and then they're going to lose a lot of games again. They've also like a lot of a lot of what they've brought in to try and help the defense feels old you know like Patrick Peterson two years ago yes these days really Rashad Breeland I think is a good player but also not like he's not coming in and overhauling your your your, your defensive backfield for you yeah like it just it feels an awful lot like you know just trying to you know it didn't work last year let's just pick a load of stuff throw it at the wall and hope some of it sticks yeah but I think like it, it that kind of makes sense to some extent because they over I think last last three or four years they've drafted a crap ton of defensive backs and very few of them have actually worked out uh like Cameron Dantzler is probably the only one who is even likely to start for them so you know Jeff Gladney I think he has uh, some legal issues if I remember correctly so uh, it's a situation where you know Mike Zimmer he's tried the young guys he tried to train them up the the old-fashioned way didn't work so bring him in Patrick Peterson you know bring me Bashar Breeland bring me Mackenzie Alexander you know, just bring me these, uh, you know, older guys, veterans who I can, you know, get working with in year one. Like, I understand why Sean doesn't like this team. Like, this is basically Marvin Lewis's Bengals. And not surprising because yeah. Mike Zimmer come from that. This is, you know, Gary Kubiak's Houston Texans. It is the quintessential one and done playoff team where they're just good enough to kind of stick around and win games in a very uninspiring way in this case dalvin cook basically running his own read and also being a pretty good pass catcher he does have that in his, in his weapons as well yeah and then basically the rest of the offense can just work around that and justin jefferson get thanks to, thanks to how 
dominant he is, Cook is, can get one-on-one or relatively light coverage. And he's absolutely, he showed that he's absolutely capable of dominating in those scenarios. And Adam Thielen, even though he's on the back nine now, is still a really good wide receiver too. I think Irv Smith will be pretty good at tight end. But like beyond that, it's really very, uh, like CJ Ham, their fullback, will see a lot of time before you see like BC Johnson or Chad Vebe. So that's relatively unusual in today's NFL. I think the offensive changes should be an upgrade. I think Christian Darasaw was very highly rated. He's more of a guard, uh, guard tackle hybrid. But I think if you're talking about making the run game go, he's perfectly suited to that. So to a certain extent with the offensive line changes they made, they're going even more in on let's run the ball first, forget who Kirk Cousins is. Let's just forget he even existed. I think, you know, I was a bit skeptical about this defensive line, but I think they made some smart, like smart additions. I think Dalvin Tomlinson is a really good one tech. I think Michael Pierce is coming back from injury and, and COVID uh, last year. I think he's also a really good one tech. So they have, if they want to stop the run, they can definitely do that. And Sheldon Richardson has shown enough still that he's a good three tech. So assuming no injuries there, um, I think the defensive line should be fine, even if they're relying on like guys like Stephen Weatherly to 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 to, to plug the ends alongside Daniel Hunter, and then the rest of the like safeties and linebackers. You still have Kendrick, you still have Barr, you still have Smith, so you still have guys that you should be able to trust there. And then yeah, the, the like Pat Peterson. Does he have anything left in the tank? I think someone like Mike Zimmer, who is obviously a very experienced defensive coordinator, has a one of the better chances, say, in the league, of putting him in the position to succeed and actually, you know, having maybe not Indian summer, but not a terrible season like he's had sometimes being kind of left on the island uh, by Arizona in recent times. So, like, overall, I would like to say that something has fundamentally changed here. This is a completely different team, but it's still Kirk Cousins. It's still Dalvin Cook. It's still uh, an offense built around the run. And it's still a defense where... There's some really good players, there's some questionable players, but overall I expect with Mike Zimmer to be fine overall. So for me, you know, it's the Vikings. This is who they'll always be under Mike Zimmer. It is their destiny and uh, to get knocked out in the first wildcard round is still what I believe will happen. I have them going 6-11, and 11, and I think, Sean, you've got them going the same. Yeah. I know they'll probably get more wins, but I'm just like, no, I'm going to punish them. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. Like, like, I kept looking at games, I was like, well, which one are they going to win? Well, no, I think that'll be like an over 500 team, so they won't beat them. Like, it's just... You, it's just you see, Sean, Sean is going against the variance for the Packers. He's saving up that, like, anti-variance play so he can deliberately shit on the Vikings here. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, for me and Harry, we're both going ten and seven, and the the cycle continues for wild card elimination. Yes, exciting, exciting. Look, could well, could well happen. I just, I, I don't, I, I just don't think Kirk Cousins. I, I don't think Kirk Cousins is good enough to get them to the to the wild card this year. I don't think. Like how many? Like especially with some of the questions, like in Green Bay, how many teams in the NFC do you really trust? You know, uh, not that many, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to have a look like, through who else I've got. The South here. next week we'll talk about a lot of change going on there, except for the team that's likely to win the division. And then the NFC West has a lot of contenders, but they have to play each other. They'll probably eat each other. And the NFC East we talked about already. Uh, question marks. No, it's a fun time. Sonny, crack with yourselves for the for the weekend, lads. Not really. Yeah, I think so. Hopefully this weather will uh, calm down. Apparently it's going to calm down a little bit. Apparently the thunderstorms have started over Galway. Oh, great. But yeah, sure, we'll wrap it up there. So... As always, pops in some questions. Next up is going to be the NFC South, and then following that, the NFC West. And then we should be, I think we're only three weeks away from, from preseason at this point, right? Or the, the yeah, Hall so of Fame game or whatever. By the time you listen to this, uh, I believe training camp will be one 
day away and then yeah preseason will be depending if you count the hall of fame game will probably be around when preseason is just starting yeah it'll be good fun yeah sounds good so i suppose uh for now it's bye for myself bye from ronan bye bye from sean bye. this has been all for quarters thanks for listening we'll chat to you next week bye.